All right. Well, at first I thought, since everybody probably thought that I was teaching, that no one wanted to show up. So it's, it's fine. Uh, yeah, which is fine. Um, I, was, I was thinking, I was like, man, this is probably one of the few times I've actually taught with Jason Page here. So it's like in front of the teacher now, you know. Uh, all right. So today, uh, our title of our message is hashtag blessed. Uh, I wore the shirt on purpose. Uh, and thankfully, I've actually been able to fit in this shirt again. I used to not be able to fit it properly. So, all right. But there's some uh, words in our Bible, uh, or there's some words in Christianity, excuse me, that are not necessarily in our Bible. Uh, there's several words and phrases, uh, things like the Trinity, uh, the rapture, even the word discipleship is not found in our Bible. Uh, but just because they're not there, you know, doesn't mean we don't believe them, doesn't mean that they're not true. So, for example, the Trinity is the three-part nature of God, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And uh, we see that uh, known as the Godhead, you know, it's His divine nature. So just because that word isn't there doesn't mean it's not true. Uh, same wording with the word rapture, right? We hear that a lot uh, as a church. You know, we're going to be raptured out of here. We're going to be taken out. Uh, it's coming from the Latin word rapturo, which means a catching away, right? So a lot of these words that may not be found, they're from the Latin. And uh, they're transferred, translated over to the Greek and to the English. And so that's where we get a lot of these words from. And so then the word is discipleship, right? I mean, the disciple is in the Bible, but the word discipleship isn't actually found in the Bible, but it's a foundational part of who we are at this church and a lot of the other churches that we have fellowship with. And so if it wasn't for discipleship, we wouldn't be where we're at, right? Uh, so just because these words aren't there doesn't mean we don't listen to them, we don't apply them to our life. Uh, so there's another word that I was studying through uh, the book of Matthew recently, and I was like, oh, this is another word that's not in the Bible, but we hear about it all the time. And that word is the word beatitude, right? And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today is the beatitudes. Uh, so hopefully uh, we can take this passage and written still to the Jews and we can apply it to our life. Uh, but the word uh, beatitude, it comes from the Latin word Beatitudo, if I said that right. Uh, and it's the same word that you see here for the word blessed, right? And every single one of these opens up with the word blessed. And if you don't know where we're at, we're in Matthew chapter 5. So if you want to turn your Bibles there, that's where our passage is going to be at today. Uh, but this word means happiness. And you're thinking, well, you know, we're not called to be happy we're called to be holy right and so it, i like to think of this as uh happiness to the fullest extent which is joy right i mean that's where uh ultimately is what it's about is a, is a joy but um i like to say this is where happiness meets holiness right that we can still be happy um in life and we can enjoy the things that god's given us but we can also live a holy life um and you know, with everything that's been going on in life, uh, I just tell you what, that God is so good. So Thursday night, and part of this, uh, you know, being blessed, uh, Thursday night, I just want to share with you, it was seven years of me being out from being incarcerated. And it's just surreal because I was, I was locked up for about seven years, so now I've been out almost the same time that I was in. Uh, and it's just amazing what God can do 
how He can redeem the time. Like, if you would have told me when I got saved in Cass County Jail that I would ever be, you know, standing up here teaching the Word, I would never have believed it. And so just everything that He's done in my life and my wife's life in, in this time period is just amazing. So that's why uh, it's hashtag blessed. And I don't know if the hashtag thing is still around, but to me it's still true. So hashtag blessed. Hopefully you feel the same way. So we see this coming from uh, that first word uh, in um, uh, the sermon. This the passage here is what it does. The Beatitudes opens up the Sermon on the Mount. All right, uh, and the Sermon on the Mount is uh, it's like a constitution for the kingdom. It's it's some uh, principles and some rules that that apply. And there's some things that apply to the kingdom of heaven. There's things that apply to the kingdom of God. There's things that apply to both. And so just like knowing our Bible study rules, right, we have to know that the Bible is written for us, but it's not written to us. And so the the passage is still uh, Jewish in nature. Matthew is a transitional book, so we need to make sure that uh, we don't want to necessarily take uh, doctrine from a transitional book. You got Matthew, Acts, and the book of Hebrews. Uh, and so there's a lot of different things that God is doing, but uh, we can still take these principles and apply them to our life. Uh, just like we take Matthew chapter 18, where if someone offends you, you go to them one-on-one and say, hey, you know, this has upset me. Then you bring a couple of witnesses. If that doesn't work out, then you bring it to the church. But that principle we apply to the church, but really the church wasn't established yet. But we still use that. And so we can do the same thing with any of these. Anything in the Word of God, we can apply to our life. And so hopefully today we can get um, a few things out of it. So the Beatitudes are kind of like the for the New Testament what the Ten Commandments are for the Old Testament. And something interesting that I found is that uh, the last word in the Old Testament is the word cursed. But then Jesus opens up his first sermon with the word blessed, right? And so we're, we're, we're seeing a transition. And so hopefully you see that in your life and that, that you are blessed today. And we're going to look at these, uh, individually and hopefully we have time to get through everything. I think sometimes you prepare for a lesson. And you're like, I don't know if I have enough time for this. Sometimes you prepare and you're like, I don't think I have enough material to fill the time, you know? So you just got to kind of go with the flow on that, I guess. All right. But, uh, these are called the Beatitudes. So these are the attitudes that you're supposed to be. And we have eight different ones that we're going to look at today. So let's we'll read this passage and we'll just go ahead and uh, break this down. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1, we'll just cover the context here and we'll read through verse 12. And uh, it says in chapter one, uh, verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so 
persecuted they the prophets which were before, before you. Excuse me. So the first beatitude that you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be poor in spirit. And what this does, being poor in spirit, it puts us all on the same level. Okay, it starts us all on a on a even playing field. It puts everybody in this spot. When we start out in our walk with Christ, we're spiritual bankrupt, right? We don't have anything to offer God. And this is just where we need to begin. This is the first beatitude because this is where we have to begin our life, our walk with Christ. That we got to come to God knowing that we have nothing and that we are broke and we are broken. And in Psalms 34:18 it says that the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save as such be of a contrite spirit. And that word contrite means like like pulverized, like tiny tiny little pieces. And so, you know, we need to give God all everything that we have, every single little piece so that he can put us back together. But we can't have any of these other beatitudes without starting here. Without being poor in spirit, we can't get anywhere else. And now something to, to note here, except just like our um, Bible principle, uh, we see that it says that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, now the kingdom of heaven is different from the kingdom of God. And uh, if you haven't been through D2, you know, Jason just talked about that, that he's trying to get all that worked out. You can see him. And they'll discuss all those details of the differences between the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. But in the in a similar passage of what it says in Luke, it says Luke 6.20, And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, something to note is that this passage in Luke, some people think it's the same as the Sermon on Mount, but if you look at the how everything was played out, where Jesus was at, it's not the same passage. Now, the Gospels contain things similar in each other. There's a lot of uh, similar phrases and passages. And, you know, Jesus taught a lot of the same things at different times. Um, so what he's saying there, and if you, you know, you just got to study your Bible out to know the context that, you know, it is a different passage. It is, is not the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is only found in Matthew. But something to kind of note, Matthew is the only spot and you, you probably know this, is the only spot that the word kingdom of heaven is even mentioned, the phrase. And it's um, mentioned 32 times. And I thought it was interesting in Luke that the kingdom of God is also mentioned 32 times. And so I don't know the exact reason why God has done that, but I know that sometimes people will try to confuse the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is, is a physical kingdom kingdom of God is a spiritual one, and guess what? We're already part of the kingdom of God. But like I said, we can still apply this. Even though it says kingdom of heaven, we can still apply it to our life. Because when you got saved, you realized you was poor in spirit, and that you had nothing. You had nothing to offer God. And so the thing um, about that is that when we're poor in spirit, and we get blessed, and we go through life, and God is doing all these amazing things, sometimes we forget about that. We forget about that first point going back that we 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 get high minded we get you know lifted up and uh we don't realize that at the, ultimately we still don't really have nothing to offer god but he's allowed us to be part of his family and part of his kingdom so our teaching point for this is when used correctly 
spiritual poverty is actual spiritual prosperity. And so when you realize that you're poor in spirit, you actually realize that you're rich. And Proverbs 13.7 says that there that maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. Number two. Uh, so we've seen being poor in spirit. Then we've seen um, a reaction from that. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And going through this, you know, I uh, was like all the way through, had all these as a P to be alliterated. And I get to mourn. I'm like, man, this one's tough. And the guy gets, okay, so we need to be in pain over sin. Uh, because this should be a natural reaction when of those that are poor in spirit that we... We mourn for the dead, right? We mourn for those that pass away. And, well, guess what? We need to mourn for the dead that are dead in trespasses and sins. And so we need to mourn for the fact that, that people are still living in their sin. And uh, no matter what we do, uh, sometimes it's just not going to change. And people are going to continue to live in their sin. And so when we mourn that this is a, not just saying, um, oh, I'm sorry, but this is sorrow. This is not worldly sorrow. It's godly sorrow. And Second Corinthians 7.10 says that for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And so when we mourn, we're just, man, I'm so, I know I've messed up in the things that I've done, and I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. I'm saved now. And what it, what it should do, our mourning, it should... And this is our teaching point for this. Our mourning should should our mourning over sin should want us to show others the Savior. That we should be so just set on man, you got to get saved. You got to you got to show them Christ. And I can say that I've been mourning over the sins of my family lately. Uh, there's been a lot of drama, a lot of things going on, and it's just really hard. Um, you know, don't want to get into any details, but. Uh, when family has all this drama and you just don't understand why and uh, they, you feel like they're rejecting you and all these different things, they're not. They're rejecting Christ. Uh, but the thing is, what it says here, just as Christians, when we mourn, either for someone that's passed away or we mourn for the sins of people that you know, they just can't get out of, God gives us the comforter, right? He, he gives us comfort. And that's why he, he sent the Holy Spirit to us to comfort us. And I'm thankful for that because if I didn't have that, man, I'd be devastated with everything that's been going on. But sometimes this is this happens. In James 4.9, it says this, that be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Sometimes we just go through bouts like that in our life. All right. So number three, I said there's eight of them, so we got to get through them. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay, so being meek is not being weak, right? We've heard that before, and it's not about being passive. It's not about um, just, you know, letting things go. Uh, being meek means that you're willing to submit to the proper authority. And it means that you're willing to give up your rights and privileges. And, uh, you know, we live in a time in our world where everybody has their rights. Everybody has the right to do this and right to do that, right? But they, live, they have the right to live however they want. Uh, well, God's Word says other, otherwise that that's not true. We don't have that right. 
Um, you know, so it's when we're when we're poor in spirit, or we have something going on in our life, and I could admit it and know that hey, I'm spiritually broke. I I messed up, or I'm in sin, or whatever. It's one thing for me to say it, but what's our reaction when other people tell, when other brothers and uh, sisters in Christ tell us that hey, you're not doing what you're supposed to, you know? How's your reaction? And so, uh, I, my, the, the P word here is uh, to be not puffed up, right? That ultimately uh, it comes down to pride, and and. Uh, we know that. Well, our pride is is at the root of all of our sin. Uh, so a simple teaching point is just cast aside all your pride. That's it. And I know it's easier said than done. Um, but being meek, uh, like I said, is not about your rights and your privileges. Being meek is submitting to God's will. It's studying God's word. And it's striving to do God's work. And... Uh, First Peter three four says this, but let it be hidden, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is the sight of God of a great great price. And uh, so, like I said, what it really comes down to is our pride. And it says that the meek, you know, will inherit the earth. Um, and you know, we know, man, we're going to rule and reign with Christ in the millennium. But it does talk about that. We need to humble ourselves before God and in due time, like He will lift us up, He will edify us. And so it, it's all about being meek now. And man, we have a, something even more to look forward to, but we got to cast aside your pride. All right, number four. It says, uh, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so my point for this one is, we need to be passionate for what God is doing in our life. And so this hunger is not something that could be filled with a little snack. You know, uh, my wife and I, we've been, doing, we've been doing keto. And I remember when we first started, man, I was hungry. I just couldn't, I just didn't feel like I could get enough food. I was eating all the protein, all the meat and all the stuff. I just didn't feel like I could get filled. But it's gotten better now. And uh, But it's not something that, Oh, I can just go have a little snacky and it, and it satisfies. Uh, this is not a thirst that can just be quenched with a little sip of water, right? This is this should be a passion that can only be filled by the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 63, 1, it says, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsts for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So this passion, it should be something that's natural. It should be something that's real, right? Our hunger is real. It should be something that's intense. Sometimes you get so hungry, it's just intense. Like Sometimes it can be painful, right? You get so hungry and it hurts. But this is a driving force. This should be a hunger that's a driving force that, man, sometimes when it's time to eat, it's time to eat, right? There's no, there's no stopping it, you know. And I know sometimes we get a little, a little hangry, right? We've all been there. Um, so if you're hungry, make sure you're being filled with the Word of God. Um, don't let yourself. So the teaching point is, don't let yourself be hangry to, towards the Lord, but make sure you're being filled with the Word, because we can get like that. 
right, number five. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So I see having mercy with people as as like a fulfillment of patience. That when you're able to show mercy, you've had so much patience that this is mercy. You're at that point. Second Peter three nine says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And to me that's mercy, right? And it's the same thing that we show others. And this is not easy to do. Showing mercy. I mean, uh, mercy has been described as not getting what you do deserve, and grace has been is getting what you don't deserve, right? But mercy is also it's a spiritual gift. So it's something that we can all obtain. We can all learn how to give mercy. Uh, some people are more gifted in that, though. But the spiritual gifts are something that uh, we can all have, and you can have more of one or the other. But in Romans 12a, it says, Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And that's the key right there, with cheerfulness. That it's not just about, okay, uh, I'm going to forgive you, or I'm going to show you mercy, but you're doing it with the right heart attitude. So being merciful is when you're willing to forgive and restore broken relationships. It's uh, being merciful is uh, when you're willing to look on the best of people and their character, because sometimes some people are difficult to work with in ministry at, at your job. It doesn't matter. Sometimes people are just difficult to work with. But, you know, we have to look for the best in people and find something that we can like about them. Being, being merciful is having compassion for others. You know, being merciful will really show you how much mercy has been shown to you, right? And being merciful will allow you to have care for the souls of men. But not having mercy can really have some serious consequences. It can turn into bitterness. In Ephesians uh, 4, 31-32, says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind to one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, for God's sake, hath forgiven you. So there's a progression. When we don't have mercy in our life and we don't show it towards others, it can turn into malice. So the teaching point is, don't let your mercy be replaced with malice. Alright, number six. The attitude that you need to be is be pure in heart. Right? It says... Um, Verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And here's one that needs to be happen, happening constantly in our life. Because what are we allowing in our lives to pollute our conscience and pollute our walk with Christ? There's many things that can affect our purity. I talked about life issues um, last week. We had our homecoming and I had uh, an opportunity to share the gospel at the end. It was It was awesome. Uh, we ended up having someone get saved later on. It was just such a, a blessing to be able to do. But I talked about um, our earthly home and our eternal home. And what are we allowing into our earthly home? Both our house that we dwell in, our physical house, and our spiritual house. What, what are we allowing in that pollutes us and it makes us impure? Because when our heart is impure, 
it's, it's hard to see God, right? It's hard to see what God is doing in our life when we're living in sin. And that's the thing, is that this is something that part of this blessing is that we don't, we don't have to keep living like that. You know, we don't have to keep living a sinful life. You know, we just get, uh, our eyes get, you know, fogged over. We think we're doing right. Because ultimately, we can, we can put on a facade, right? We can put on an air and, sh- and say, I'm living this righteous life. I'm doing this amazing thing. But somewhere deep down inside, we got some secret sin in our life and we need to get it right. And I think of our verse from Life Issues, and the theme verse is Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are issues of life. Because it takes work to make sure that we're staying pure. So if there's sin in your life, others may not know it, but you do, and ultimately God does. So we just got to get it right. And uh, 1 Timothy 1.5 says this, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and out of a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. So our teaching point today is, a pure heart allows us to perceive the will of God. We can actually see it when we're living a pure life. Alright, number seven. We're going to get through these. We're going to get through them in a good, timely manner. Alright, number seven is, be a peacemaker. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You know, being a peacemaker is not just about living in peace, but bringing about peace. And where there are two conflicting parties, peace needs to be made. And when we are able to share the gospel, we are we are having two conflicting parties. We have a lost man, and we have God, and they are at odds with each other because the, because the lost man is separated from God. And we're able to bring about that peace by sharing the gospel with them. I have a co-worker, he's my filler operator, and uh, Thursday night I was telling him about how, you know, I've been out of prison this long and what God was doing in my life, and I've shared the gospel with him a time or two, and he's kind of just, eh, there's something out there, just don't know what it is, kind of agnostic. But he he opened up immediately, as soon as I was telling him, and I was really just kind of shocked, but he was like, man, I, I've, uh, he, he used to be addicted to drugs and stuff, and he's like, I've got through all that, and... You know, I'm doing good with my job, but he's like, I just feel like there's something missing in my life. And I'm like, well, you're right. And I just took it as another opportunity to share the gospel with him because I just told him, I was like, what is missing in your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. That you can go through and you can have all these things that you've done, all these accomplishments. Yeah, you've done great in your recovery. Uh, yeah, you got your own place. Yeah, you got a good job. But you're still not, there's still something missing. And, and I just told him that this is what I shared with him. This is what I, these are two verses I shared with him. I told him, I said, we first get the peace of God, right? When we get saved. And I said, Romans 5, why 1? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what happens at that first point when we were poor in spirit and we come to Jesus Christ as our Savior. We get the peace, we make peace with God. Then you get peace of God, and no matter what you go through life, you can have peace. And I explained to him that I said, all the the drama, all the craziness with my family, all the uh, things that we have going on, it doesn't matter. That I have peace with God, and I have peace of God. And I read, and I gave him Philippians four seven. 
And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And he was really receptive to it. You know, I, he didn't get saved or anything, but like he was open to it. And he was like, man, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And so, who knows? You know, God's doing some work in his life. And, you know, I have a lot of conversations with him. And so, you know, that might be a good opportunity to, you know, he, hopefully he can get saved. But this is not the kind of peace, this peace that we're talking about, is not the kind of peace, you know, in the 60s, you know, love and peace, man, you know, it's not that kind of peace. This is a, a kind of peace, um, as sons of God, that we're able to lead others to that kind of peace, and they become sons of God. And something I find interesting is that the word uh, peacemaker is only used the one time here in the Bible. And I always find words like that that are, that are unique, that has one time, because there's words that have... But used in uh, many different forms and different words for the same, you know, Greek word or Hebrew word. But here is just one time, and I always like to look at those. The word peacemaker is only used, and it's it's unique because I think we're unique in the sense that we have opportunity to bring about peace. But our teaching point for the day is being a peacemaker means that you had to have had first made peace. This is our last one. And this one is going to, this one might rile you up a little bit because it's being persecuted. Be persecuted. The attitude that you're supposed to have is be persecuted. And I think this is the toughest one. That this is the church where we're at today. They don't like this. They don't like this. And so we'll read through here in verse 10. It says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And like I said, again, uh, we are part of the kingdom of God, and so there is a difference. But, but still, are you being persecuted today? Because this is not the attitude that the church seems to fully embrace. Uh, we say that, oh, uh, sure, I'm, I'm okay to be persecuted. But when it actually happens in our life, we like to complain and say, woe is me. When, when little things come at us or big things come at us, we just want to complain and not really accept the fact that, guess what, we're going to be persecuted. But the, the church today, at least not in America, we don't, we don't fully understand what it means to be persecuted. I mean, maybe somewhere like in India or China, or, but we, we don't know. Like, we get, our, we get our feelings hurt and say that we're being persecuted. But I like this is what I like this in in these beatitudes in verses three through ten, it says blessed are the or blessed are they, and then look at verse eleven, he says blessed are ye, he switches it up and says blessed are you, when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake, when you are persecuted, when when men shall rival you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my for my sake for my sake for Jesus Christ's sake so I want to wrap up with this uh, passage in 1 Peter I just want you to meditate on these words in 1 Peter uh, Peter understood this a lot of his uh, epistles uh, talk about this about suffering uh, with joy and being persecuted uh, for the sake of Christ. First Peter chapter four verses twelve through sixteen says this: Beloved, 
Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Right? Like this is some new thing that wasn't going to happen. Don't be surprised. In verse 13 he says, But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory, and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer. Right? Don't be doing things you're not supposed to. And then suffer for it. I mean, make sure you're doing what you're doing for God. Or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, and one of the only three times the word Christian is in the Bible, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So our teaching point is, don't confuse being persecuted with your buttons just being pushed. Because that's what it is. Sometimes people push our buttons. Oh, I'm being persecuted. And this last attitude that we're supposed to have really wraps us up perfectly because if we look, we start with nothing when we're poor in spirit. And then when we get to the end of this passage, let me get back here and I'll show you what he says. That we start with nothing when we're spiritually bankrupt and poor in spirit. And then he says in verse 12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So we start with nothing and poor in spirit, and we end with a great reward. And so we, uh, here's the thing though, on all these it says, blessed are, blessed be, blessed are them. Um, just like it says in Psalm, opens up with Psalms 1-1, blessed are they that, not, that sit not in the counsel of the ungodly, that uh, we have to actually do something. To get the blessing, you actually have to do something. So here's our attitude that we need to have in our walk with Christ. Be poor in spirit. Be in pain over sin. Be not puffed up with pride. Be passionate for what God is doing. Be patient with people. Be pure in heart. Be a peacemaker. And last, but definitely not least, be persecuted for Christ's sake. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord, just uh, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time um, to get in your word. We're just thankful for for it, Lord. Uh, without it, we wouldn't even know how to live our life. And uh, I'm just thankful that we can see any passage and we can apply it to our life. It doesn't matter. Old Testament, New Testament, uh, we can always uh, learn and grow from it, Lord. And uh, Lord, I'm just thankful for this class, for Passpoint, uh, the fellowship that we have. Um, it's just an amazing thing that you do and allow us to be part of. And uh, Lord, we just pray for service today. Pray for uh, Pastor Jason as he preaches today, uh, as Pastor Brian is out. And uh, Lord, we just uh, thank you for all you're doing in our life. Help us to uh, walk out of here knowing uh, that we are blessed uh, and that we can live a life uh, like we are. And so, Lord, we just love you so much and we thank you for all you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.